Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to the next Swim for Tribe podcast. Um, a triathlon coach, a little bit different um, to many I've met. We actually met at our local pool where Swim for Tribe offers their one-to-one -one lessons. And, you know, you can, as an as a experienced athlete, as a coach, you can see people that are just a little bit different, taking their training a little bit more seriously. And we got chatting on poolside and there was no tattoo there was no bravado there was nothing and um duncan was actually asking me about perhaps other further afield challenges and i i went with the the big one how about an iron man he's like oh well i've done that and then marathon de Sable, and then kona and, and i'm like oh this guy's been around a bit um but without the obvious telling everyone about it which was lovely so duncan um I hope that's not uh, floated your boat too much and that's a warm welcome and uh, relaxes you. Um, but you, can you tell us about your swimming background? Uh, sorry, your, your sporting background even first. Yeah, um, very generous of you in terms of the intro, so thank you, Dan. <laughs> um, sporting background-wise, I, I started as a uh, competitive swimmer from an early age. Oh, so I was, I was nearly right, good. <laughs> yeah, yeah so close. Um, but I stopped when I was in my teens, and as, as a lot of people do, and found cross-country running in, in athletics. Um, I was never very fast, but I think I had a great engine that had been developed from counties I spent in the pool. Uh, that led on to uh, cross-country mountain biking for a while, and I first got into triathlon when someone challenged me to do one. <laughs> my, and my initial reaction was, I thought, how hard can it be? And I found out very quickly, very was the uh, was the answer from that, and I uh, from there was hooked and completed my first Ironman as uh, my second ever triathlon. Second ever, that's impressive. Uh, I, one other person I know made Ironman Lanzarote their first ever race. Um, Zoe, uh, who's quite a character, and I, I might even talk to her soon. But so your yours second race ever was an Ironman. Wh which one was it? It was Ironman Lanzarote. It was Lanzarote. So again, probably, top, I don't know, what is it now? Top three, top five. It is tough. It is a tough one, isn't it? We it's we we, we love the island. I bumped into you there uh, last September. You were, you know, again, you you travel with your team, don't you? I like I like the dedication that you bring. Um, is that a favorite race? A favorite location? Where where do you rank that? And and what is maybe your favorite? Uh, that's a tough one. I think every race I've completed uh, has, I've taken something very special from it. Um, I think in tri terms, it's got to be Lanzarote because it does hold a special place in my heart for, for it being my first one. It's a magical place, and, isn't it? Yeah, very magical. And it's, as, as you know, a very challenging course and the conditions can be equally, equally tough and challenging. A very close second in Ironman or triathlon terms has got to be, of course, Kona, which is very, very special. And it's everything that an athlete could hope it could be, but so much more. Wow. Um, but yeah, I think Ironman Lanzarote, just because it's probably, with excluding the level of competition that Kona would bring and the pressures that that does, the hardest physical course on the planet. Amazing, amazing. And another place, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a, fa I'm a, a big fan of Club La Santa. You are, you actually take your clients on a regular basis to Plaitas. How does that yes. work out? Is that a good place? 
it's <clears throat> I think it's it's really fabulous for uh, for the athletes. Um, it's on par with uh, Club La Santa. It's a little bit more relaxed and a little bit more open um, from uh, uh, from a sort of geographical point of view. The biggest attraction for for La Plata is the island is Fuerteventura is three times the size of Lanzarote with half the population. So from a cycling point of view for, Interesting. for athletes, it's a lot safer, safer. Um, because there's a lot less traffic around as well. Um, and because there's less traffic, the road conditions are absolutely superb. Lanzarote is fabulous, Yeah. obviously. It doesn't quite have some of the climbs that Lanzarote does. Um, but overall, it represents uh, a really great package for the athletes to be able to uh, to go and train there. And the resorts, the resort is fabulous. Um, eight lane, fifty meter pool doesn't have the two pools that Club Centre does. Um, the running track, yeah, it's got everything that an athlete needs to deliver a, a, a quality volume and intensity across across. Is the there, there is there is there a race there? Do you tie in with a, a certain race or? No, just purely training. as a pre-season um, training camp uh, for them. So they get to spend a week uh, to 10 days or two weeks, if you're really foolish, um, <laughs> uh, doing a really nice mix of volume, trail runs, track sessions, pool swims, uh, open water swims in the sea, because it, the, the bay itself is 10 metres from the resort. Uh, the quality of the food, nutrition-wise, is absolutely fabulous as well. They cater for everything from um, vegans, vegetarians, protein corners, carbohydrate uh, areas. So you've got a, a really great balanced nutritional piece that helps with the recovery and fueling for the for the training session. And and I was going to ask you how you're coping with lockdown, but just to tie that in, you you were. In, uh, you were actually with the group in Platus just as things came to a halt and you had a narrow escape, didn't you? I did, yeah. It was um, a little bit touch and go. <laughs> we uh, we were sat down at breakfast as a group on Sunday morning and the director of the resort came over and said, you, you really need to think about getting your athletes at home as quickly as possible. Uh, the question was why, although we were aware of, obviously, coronavirus, it was a little bit of a, a social bubble. We hadn't heard too much about it because Spain was going into lockdown from 12, 12 o'clock midday on Monday. And when I say lockdown, if you were outside on a public road, you got a 600 euro fine. So we then scrambled to get people home <laughs> on flights. And being the coach, you can't leave before your athletes do. So the last athlete left on the following Wednesday at about 6 p.m. The only flight I could get, the last flight home, was on Thursday evening. So I've never been so pleased to come back from <laughs> a beautiful, sunny, dry environment back to the UK in um, late March. Late March. So, yeah, it was a bit touch and go, very stressful. But everybody got home safely, which was the most important thing. So there you are, juggling coach, um, travel agent, um, courier, everything, <laughs> just making it, you know, taking care of your athletes. That's 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 how it, how it is, isn't it? Yeah, uh, and the athlete has to come first, I think. Yeah. There's worse places that I could be stuck <laughs> if I was uh, uh, going to choose anywhere in the world. 
What, so, so what prompted the switch to coaching? Because you were you were working in in central London, you were training hard, you were racing. Did you just feel that that racing didn't have much more to offer? You, you did you just feel the call to share your knowledge, um, the mistakes you made, and and help others not make them? What, what sort of switched that it switched over for you? Um, I used to coach at a local swimming club for over ten years. Was that Hod- uh, Hoddesdon Swim Club? That was helping out on poolside when my oldest daughter swam there. Okay. Um, that progressed through to, to head of the National Development Squad. And I found it one of the most rewarding experience, experiences I've ever had. Seeing the development in the athletes and their breakthrough moments and being a, a small part of that process was then and still is now incredibly rewarding. Um, I'd helped friends and colleagues out with training plans whilst I worked, worked in the city. And it seemed like a natural progression when I decided to uh, to leave the corporate job, which I was finding incredibly unfulfilling. And uh, the natural progression was to give coaching full-time, uh, full-time ago. Um, and I think it's, it's one of the most, it's the best decision I've ever made. And I feel very privileged and lucky to do something that I absolutely adore and love. And I get to call it my job, which even today seems absolutely absurd to be able to say that <laughs> I'm doing something that's so fulfilling. Um, and I've made a lot of mistakes as an athlete over the years. So to be able to pass on some of that knowledge, um, again, is, is an incredibly rewarding aspect of it. That's, that's really good. And, and I have to say, I do admire a triathlon coach that really... You know, I mean, maybe you were fortunate you came from a bit of a swimming background, but a tri coach that really does understand swimming is is a, a wonderful thing. Um, you know, if you and to actually be on poolside, uh, you know, again, a lot of wetsuits will hide a multitude of sins, and you know, I think a lot of people can get away with a lot of things. But you know, if you want to swim long distance efficiently, fast with minimal risk of injuries you know technique plays a part and and yeah. I, I really admire that because you know over the years i've read and seen some some horror stories about you know well it's just such a small part of the day what 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 do we care about that for um you know and and so you you, you you're fortunate to come from the swimming background um maybe uh, what i was interested in you went with the ironman brand of sort of coaching qualification rather than i mean previously you had ASA qualifications. Yeah. Um, um, so did you do three um, qualification uh, swim coach um, with the usual things that come with that, uh, lifeguarding for teachers, etc. Yeah. Um, but I went with I went with Ironman because I have an affinity to it anyway. Yeah. Um, from um, past races and experiences, um, I looked at I looked at others and they didn't resonate with me. I guess. Um, and when you need you need some sort of formal qualification when you're when you're starting out, so it seemed it just seemed a natural fit for me, and I was really pleasantly surprised by the quality of the course and the content that that was actually delivered. That's I like to hear that because so often you know elite competitors finish and assume coaching is an automatic sort of 
passage to their next career. But, you know, it's good to have some qualifications. You may, you know, from your background, you may know more than, but it, it's still sort of, you know, it's a it's a mark of respect. It's your, obviously your insurance. You, you, need, you need something, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, if you can take one thing from one thing. any course that you do, then there's been a benefit and the minute the, the minute you stand still and think that you've you've solved it or you've cracked it i think you stop learning and we've got responsibilities as as a coach uh to continually push your boundaries of knowledge um what's available and that will inevitably involve some sort of formal training that that you have to undertake and by stagnating or not being willing to accept that you have limitations or you don't know everything, then you'll never be able to get the best out of your athletes or deliver what you should be to them. And and on that on that you you tie that in nicely because how do you pronounce? Is it Sisu? Sisu. Sisu. And that's a Finnish word, and that sums up your coaching philosophy, your concept. It's the name of your your company. Tell yeah. us, tell us more about how you you came to that. Um, I first heard the word on a TV documentary many years ago. It's more than decades, so I won't show how old, <laughs> quite how old I am. Um, which was about Finland, and and it always stuck with me as a as an ethos or as a as a way in which the uh, the Finns lived their life. And when I was thinking about coaching as a professional, I wanted the name of the business to mean something to resonate with athletes who who wanted to work with me. So when I decided to formalise my coaching, I actually just read at the time an article that said 99% of people who start marathons finish them. So it kind of sort of made me think, what do you take away from that incredibly high success rate? And anyone who's ever run a marathon can tell you that the correct takeaway isn't that running 26 miles isn't easy because everyone hits an obstacle at some point, but almost everyone keeps going. And I realised that the real lesson is that we have so much more in the reserve tank than we think we do and I feel that CISU embodies the ethos of an endurance athlete that when we race an athlete will experience highs and lows and it's in those lows that you really discover what your limits are in that moment and the the, the word CISU although it doesn't have a direct translation to English it's about not giving up and pushing on and finishing against your own personal demons and for me I just think that that's that's relatable to an endurance athlete. It is, isn't it? I, I did a quick search and I came up with stoic determination, which I liked. Yeah. Uh, tenacity of purpose, also very, uh, very, very true. Um, I, yeah, that's really nice. Really nice. That's a remarkable statistic. I'd not come across that before. 99% of people that set out on a journey to, to, to start and complete a marathon finish. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Wow. Wow, that is remarkable. I mean, the the investment in time and training. Um, I guess you know, you, you and I, okay, let's not um, belittle a marathon, but on a on an Ironman, on a triathlon, obviously there's a lot of luck with the mechanicals of your bike. There's potential, you know, to to have a cramp in the swim can be all you know game changing and ending of of the event um, for safety reasons. But I guess you know, with a marathon, you can shuffle you can walk and you can just keep going but it's lovely that people really set out and i suppose there's a lot of charity money on that but but it really is remarkable what the human body is capable of 
yeah, and I think it's it's and you yeah, people when they talk about if we used Iron Man as an example and 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 they say that the swim isn't important. If you don't get the swim right at that distance, it's, it's the swim sets you up for the rest of your day. Um, and I, I can't even list the amount of times that I've heard an athlete say, my swim was okay, my bike was awesome, but I don't know what happened to my run. <laughs> so you, you, you need to respect each of the disciplines at, um, at any level because as you come down from Ironman 70.3 or my day half Ironman down to Olympic or standard distance and sprint, the intensity level goes up as well. So you really need a strong platform to set you up for the rest of the race. And the extra pressure, and not taking anything away from standard marathon, but the extra pressure that something like a 70.3 and Ironman introduces is that you've got those cutoffs as well. The cut, and yeah. you've got to be sensible and conserve your energy and use it in the right way at the right point during the race. And critical to that is is the swim component. And I might be slightly biased because I originally come from a swimming background, but I do think it's it's critical to giving you the platform to real, really be able to perform across the rest of the day. You, you work with quite a few elite athletes now where, you know, the... At that upper end, the swim is critical because, okay, so the cutoffs aren't such a worry. But, you know, when you're trying to work with packs, um, you know, an isolated swimmer is at such a major disadvantage. And, you know, it, again, legally working together on the bike, if you're not in the ballpark at that point, it's, it's game over, surely. Absolutely. I mean, it's standard distance racing, um, so draft legal, ITU circuit. If you are not out in that front pack or within touching distance of it, and we're talking seconds, not not minutes, your race is over. So, yeah, when you're looking at the elite uh, uh, level of performance, every single component of that race, swim, bike, run, and and transitions, will decide your fate on the day. Now, uh, there are you can count them on one hand the amount of athletes that are super strong um, classes uh, in, in terms of um, against their peers uh, at the swim but to date no one no one yet has won the uh, the race off the back of a swim but at that level you've got to be so close to it um, so I think yeah, people as general age groupers tend to neglect the time that they spend on that discipline when really it's actually a very easy gain um, and competitive advantage to actually have over over uh, your peers in your same age group for the longest time i've always sort of preached that swim fitness is a very special kind of fitness which we see uh, you know i was convinced of that early on as ex-swimmers became very strong on the on the bike i mean biomechanically the run's quite different so yeah. you know the transference is, is not quite apparent but you know i've seen some big engines leave the you know the world of swimming um going through the years you know robin brew um uh, sheila tomina um andy potts and, and you think god those guys big engines and 
And actually, we were fortunate a few years ago to get involved with a, a study at Bath University. And somebody uh, undertook, we coached them purely swimming for six weeks, uh, VO2 max pre and post, um, sort of lung volume, um, uh, bench press, range of mobility. And, you know, there was a, a VO2 max gain of 13% from six weeks of three swim sessions per week. Now, I don't, I don't know whether it's, you know, obviously we didn't dial down into you know, greater depths, but is it that interruption to the breathing that makes the, you know, the cardio system so much more effective? Is it the fact that you're moving against a medium or through a medium that's so much denser than air? I don't know what it is, but I, th I think people could, you know, swim more and not have the bike and the run suffer is, is what they're probably assuming. Do, do you agree? Or how do you see I, fitness I, in I, your... I 100% agree with you. I think, um, yeah, if you, if you look at water versus air water is a thousand times denser than air so as uh, as a movement through a uh, uh, an environment it's significantly harder and more challenging harder. and when you add into that breathing in water is quite a challenging thing on a good day so <laughs> um if you're if you're developing an aerobic base which in turn will develop your vo2 then your the limited opportunity to capture that oxygen and then utilize that oxygen um, in the space of a, a breath versus the ex energy expenditure will only have a positive effect there's there's nothing um, else out there really is there swimming it it, it, it uh, you know until you've really f finalized your technique really perfected it you know it, the stroke will tell you it will dictate when you can are allowed to get air um, yeah. as you improve obviously you come you you take charge of that and it becomes a little bit more relaxed but there's nothing quite like it is there it's like okay i'm going to give you this window of opportunity quickly get it in and then start working hard again without it <laughs> yeah exactly and you can you, and you very quickly can go into oxygen jet which will um promote the production of lactic acid which um, within uh, a metabolic context, the lactic acid will be used as fuel by the muscles, but not past the point that supersedes the amount of oxygen that you can get in to oxidize that, to actually combust that. So swimming is actually a fabulous tool and platform to increase your uh, aerobic conditioning without the associated um, uh, issues of an impact-related sports such as running and i think that having lung conditioning um uh, uh, uh exercises and you see a lot with the with the types of power breathers and and that type of stuff where people use them within within running because every elite is looking for for a marginal gain is that just get in the pool for another session during the week <laughs> it's going to do exactly the same job for you um without any impact or within a very normally safe environment obviously do you um where you're based you 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 live in the hertfordshire area is that correct yeah do you do you sort of have um, a local group of triathletes meet for regular fitness sessions or is mo are most people remote and you send sessions um i do very little standing on poolside these days um it is something that i miss the challenge that that I have is as a, a triathlon coach and, and not a dedicated swim coach is the time finding the local resource yeah. and getting everybody together 
um, at that time uh, for, for me versus fitting in, in with my diary. Um, and the mixture in bitties as well. So it's, it's easier to give them the session plans and that they go to their local pool maybe before work or on their way to work um, or just after work or at lunchtime for them to be able to, be able to deliver that. And also, as, as you know, send them um, send them uh, your way or on your swim camps where they get a huge amount of benefit from the volume that they complete and, and the technical feedback that they get um, over that period that they just can't get anywhere else. I, I like that. I mean, again, I'm, I, I don't bill myself as a triathlon coach. I don't pretend to. And I don't think it's wrong to sort of, you know, get a, a running specialist in to help a little bit for someone to hand over someone to a swim specialist. I mean, there was um, at the super elite level sort of going into the last Olympics, there were some reports coming out from the ITU that, you know, a, a at that level to have your own coach is probably preferable to cover all three things so that there's no breakdown. But in terms of learning i i don't i don't understand running i don't bike near i mean i used to race triathlon uh quite seriously a long time ago but i, I wouldn't it's it's a vast sport isn't it why why can't we draw on specialists I, I i think it comes back to what we talked about earlier about staying stagnant yeah and believing that you know everything and yeah yeah oh, i Swimming for me is such is is the most technical sport out of the three. And as a as a as somebody who's looking at the overall framework of the periodization for an athlete and what they need to do when and where and how, I think you need to hand over to somebody that that you trust um, within a specific sport to see those additional gains. And even if even if you take it from the contrast of an age grouper or an elite, although those gains become marginal the further you go up to the point end of, of the field, those gains become more critical for them. So, yes, you need somebody to look over at the plan and decide where time is best spent and what the balance looks like and where are they in their periodization, their weakness and strengths. You have a responsibility as you are in charge of that overall program to say, actually, I, I don't know every, I can't take you to that next level. Um, so I need to connect you with somebody else who will take you beyond my knowledge base 100% and deliver and look at things for you that, that will give you that gain. And but even so, you know, your successes are, are starting to really shine now. Um, I hope she won't mind me bringing this up. But Amy, Amy Kilpin, uh, yeah. I've I've sort of seen her career, um, you know, uh, some of my my group uh, were in her age group. So, you know, I saw her as a good age group uh, many years ago. And finally, she's really having some breakthroughs now. What, what do you put that down to? Um, I think it's. I think for Amy, it's her work ethic. Yeah. Um, she's she's very talented, but you can have all of the talent in the world, um, but if you don't use it and you don't apply the work ethic, then you're never going to make the most of that. And hard work beats talent every day of the week. <laughs> um, so when you've got when you, I was very I'm very lucky to be able to uh, be part of Amy's team. She approaches it incredibly professionally. Um, but the, I think the, the biggest uh, credit to her is, uh, is her sheer work ethic. 
Um, and she asks also very sensible questions and challenges me, which I think is absolutely fabulous. Um, and I'm only a tiny part of um, tiny part of, of her team because she's surrounded herself with um, the best people that she can do in the different facets of her journey um, that she's had to date and, and, and that will continue. And that's from nutritionists, from body conditioning coaches, um, through to uh, a triathlon coach. And we all talk very regularly to ensure that every single aspect that she's making the most out of it. Um, so I think I think that's it's not one thing that you could say that uh, that that was a light bulb moment, but it's her tenacity and, and professionalism and, and work ethic, which is a real credit to her. And, and early on, I mean, again, I don't want to drag things up, but early on, she had a tough time in the world of social media. I mean, you know, for the audacity of, you know, perhaps taking it that seriously, that professionally, getting organized, you know, asking for sponsors, being, you know, as organized as having like a race CV and results. And, you know, she she put that aside. There were some people, you know, knocking her and she continued. And, and now, you know, she's knocking on the door of turning professional, maybe. Uh, absolutely, he is knocking on the door, knocking very, very hard on that door. Um, and I have absolutely no doubt at all that she'll go pro. I, I think, yeah, to approach it in the manner that she did do from day one is a credit to her. And it, it shows the, the journey that can be achieved. And, and why and, wouldn't you be organized and dedicated and have a teamwork? You, you absolutely. Know, you, you know, I was racing to a high level in the pool, you know, 30 years ago. And, and we had, you know, sports um, nutritionists. We had physio people on the team helping us. We had our strength and conditioning people. You know, the, the swim coach didn't, you know, do all of that. <laughs> um, and, right. and, and now we're, we're even more blessed with more specialists in more areas to look after more. You know, the fact that these podcasts so far I've spoken to a a physio with a swim background. I've spoken to a sports psychiatrist that came from a swim background, um, nutritionist, dietitian. Uh, there's so much information, and you know, for a coach, we we don't know everything, do we? No, we, we not not even close. I think <laughs> yeah, the, the 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 responsibility we have is to accept that we don't know everything and to hand over and be willing to hand over and not feel threatened by it. I do to hand over the, the reign of responsibility for those different areas. As you know, over time, you build up a knowledge base um, of the type of uh, right type of foods that you should eat and the right macro and micronutrients and things like that. But that doesn't apply to a specific athlete. That's just a general knowledge base. And the minute that you are challenged on that, um, I think it's a fabulous thing because that gives you that opportunity to be able to say, look, you need to speak to a, a professional about that um, because they are best in their field. You know, find, find best in class within that area. And as a coach, that's empowering, or sh you should feel as though that's empowering to be able to hand that over to somebody because it's also one less thing to worry about <laughs> as well because you know that it's being taken care of 
rather than trying to fudge it and doing a really bad job of it. <laughs> Maybe that's it. You know, um, some some people are just scared to to let go and, and feel they might lose an athlete. But, you know, perhaps revealing more insecurities on their part. Who knows? Yeah. Um, um, a few years ago, you were moving more in the direction of trail running. Is that still a love? Is that something you have time for? Um, I, uh, a love-hate I love, relation. I love trail running, um, but it's that's more of a personal thing I like to do than than I would feel. I wouldn't feel qualified to coach on trail running. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, I, I recently rediscovered the love of running again, actually, and it's been brought about by the uh, by the lockdown and Wonderful. trying to find a way to actually keep my sanity. Um, so, uh, yeah, I've got back into running recently, although I did ignore it for, um, for, for a few years. And my waistline shows that as well. <laughs> so, um, it's been quite interesting getting back into it. I, I mean, I, personally, I... Um... You know, we, we work with a lot of triathletes and I I was fortunate to, um, you know, discover open water swimming through triathlon. And then around 2008, there were so many events available that I could actually park triathlon. I mean, I'm still involved heavily. I'm still on training camps. I still read about it because obviously I do want to know about the how it evolves, the relationship between the swim, the bike, the run. Uh, I do need to understand that. But I, I've literally for 10, 12 years now just open water swum and that gives me a lot of feedback. Do you do you believe in still taking part in sport to a degree to help with research? Do you do you do you take the view you shouldn't be involved in racing against your competitor, your your clients, as some might see? How does it work for you? Um I I love the sport, the whole sport. Um, in terms of triathlon, the process, the challenge, the athletes, um, how triathlon is always an early adopter of technology and training methodology. Absolutely, sort of yeah. Traditional sports, um, but I think I think for me, my competition days are long behind me, and, <laughs> and I'm quite happy to live vicariously through my athletes and, and their achievements. And I think I look at what some of the athletes are delivering. You know, today, and they're so far ahead of, of what I ever could have achieved. Um, staying in touch with the sport, I think, through having the feedback uh, from my athletes on whether it's session plans or technology, what's available, types of bikes, shoes, running shoes, etc., that gives me enough for me personally, enough feedback to be able to make informed decisions. I wouldn't. The last thing I would ever want to do is to get on the start line with one of my athletes. Uh, first of all, they'd beat me, and I'm too competitive, um, and, and I'd sulk for for a number of months, probably as a result of it. Um, um, but I just, I think, if you are still competing, you can't give yourself wholly to the athlete and support them through their journey. And that's just my personal view. No, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I, you know, I, I think if you're competing at a high level, it, it surely it's detracting from what else you might be doing that could help. You know, I, I think to to take part, you know, I, I know some tri coaches are are, are are solid time trialists on the bike, and that's probably their specialist area, and they enjoy that, and they get a lot of feedback. But you know, I, I'd be skeptical 
uh, anyone that was, you know, mixing it up at that higher level. But, you know, each to their own, I suppose. And again, I, I along those lines, I almost take offense if someone says that, you know, how many clients do you have? Like, well, you know, that on the one hand, that's sort of down to me and I'll soon be found yeah. out if I'm juggling too much or cutting and pasting and not giving enough attention to someone. But, you know, if I'm if this is my full time job, you don't know that. Or if it's part time, if it's a hobby, you know, we'll, we'll soon get found out. And, and those that are in the sport for many years clearly are doing something right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and if, if you're trying to be competitive, um, then you've got to put in X amount of hours a week that you should, if you're doing this full time, as, as we both are, giving yourself wholly to your athletes to make sure that they're that you're available to them based upon the coaching levels that, that they wanted and that you agreed upon. Um, and that you can take the due, due care and time and due diligence to care. ensure that you're delivering for them in a way that uh, that you you're fulfilling or exploring their full potential to get more out of them than they ever thought possible and i again just a just a personal belief is if i'm putting in 14 18 hour weeks training i can't do that for an athlete because <laughs> it's not just the training volume wise and time wise but i've got to take care of my own nutrition i've got to take care of my own recovery and that's all going to impact on the time that for me personally and my methodology of, of, of coaching that i want to be actually giving to my athletes duncan uh you summed it up there care of your athlete um i wish you the best of luck for ongoing training competing racing uh, with your athletes uh, looking after your athletes traveling with um very envious of that trip you took to was did you go to argentina not so long ago yeah it's a it, tough it's, life isn't it's it it's a very hard job <laughs> uh, i'm <laughs> i'm sure you work very hard and deserve everything best of luck to you and the team um i'll put the links to your website on this and you know Best of luck to you, but you don't really need it. You work hard. You've done the background. You've done the exams. And going forwards, you're working with some great people. And I look forward to doing more work with you at some point. That'd be great. Appreciate That's your time today. Man. Thank you. You're too generous as always. <laughs> more than, you more than deserve it. You more than deserve it. Thanks for your time today. And um, enjoy. Thank you very much.